Welcome back to the Zelosophy Podcast. This is your host, Z. We got a great episode for you today. Hillary Harley is here with me. She'll be coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Hillary is a Reiki master, an astrologer, and she's a close family friend uh, who just joined us on our family trip to Italy over the summer, among other things. So we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Some of the most listened to episodes are the the ones that have been about some of the more spiritual, psychic out there stuff. So for those who are interested in astrology, I always wondered what it was. Uh, we're going to talk about that today. And then also Reiki, which has become a little bit more mainstream over the last couple of years, but I think there's still a lot of people who don't know much about it. That is uh, energy healing, energy work. So we're going to talk about some really cool out there stuff to some people, uh, but pretty normal stuff to people like me. Uh, but for, before we do that, we got a, a few announcements to get through. So the Zelosophy TV show with Uncle Z and Friends, Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends, is live on YouTube. The pilot's up there actively shooting and editing episode one, which should be up uh, maybe even by next week. So really exciting things coming there. There's a GoFundMe page. You can go to GoFundMe and look up Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends so you can help us fund this so we can keep making that content for you. Upcoming appearances, Sunday, March 1st, I'll be at the National Golf Expo at the Seaport World Trade Center, Boston, with Hardy from 98.5 The Sports Hub. We're going to be talking philosophy on golf, signing books, having some laughs. Hardy's a great guy. You know him from the Zolak and Bertrand show in the mornings on 98.5. And uh, Saturday, March 28th, I'll be at the Tennessee State Museum, although that location is still pending. I believe I'll be there. But I'll be doing a philosophy talk on harmony in Nashville. We're going to use examples of musical harmony to talk about how we can build a harmonious society. So when we shout instruments at each other, it doesn't sound good. But when we listen to each other and we play together and we play nicely, it sounds better. And maybe that's a good example of how we can live in modern society. So those are some upcoming things. Hang tight. And we're going to be right back with Hillary Harley talking Reiki and astrology. Okay, and here we are, like magic, pun intended, uh, with Hillary Harley, and we're going to talk about some fun stuff today. Hi, Hillary. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You just got back from St. John. I did. It was a beautiful vacation, three parts. I stopped in St. My- uh, Fort Myers and, and Miami and saw a lot of the Super Bowl prep, and then I was on to St. John with some college friends. Nice. Nice. Well, um, we're going to get started with uh, how we met. I mentioned in the introduction that you've become a family friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, We should talk about how that happened. You were doing Reiki for a hospice organization, and my grandmother, Big Nana, uh, was on hospice, and you came to the house to do Reiki on her. Yes. So I had just received my second or third certification for Reiki and a friend of mine asked me if I was interested in doing Reiki for hospice care because Good Shepherd Community Care which is in Newton um, 
needed Reiki volunteers. And so I think your grandmother was my second or third patient. Oh, I mean, no way. Was, yes. I she didn't was, know that until just now. Yep. She, <laughs> I was new to the hospice scene and... Um, your mom had just signed her up for hospice care because it was right after Thanksgiving, I think, yeah. that she had had yeah. congenital heart failure. So I came to the house in early December. Yeah. And, um, and she, mom and I had been into Reiki for years, not so much Big Nana. Right. <laughs> she That's was, what I, yeah. She was not uh, sort of into that sort of stuff, but uh, you were able to keep her calm and relaxed um, in her final months. Yes. No, she was a delight. I mean, she was just, she was super easy because um, the Reiki calmed her down and your mother had a great suggestion, which was to put on uh, Andrea Bocelli, which I I assume Big Nana enjoyed as much yeah. as well, your mom not quite as nobody <laughs> there's not too many people who enjoy it as much as my mom but she did like Andrea Bocelli how can you not right so we would put on Andrea Bocelli and I would begin the Reiki session and it was about a 30 or 40 minute treatment and what I noticed was that at, toward the end of the CD with Andrea he sang the Ave Maria, and mm. by the time we got to the Ave Maria, Big Nana was sound asleep. And so it was a gift for me because I felt I had connected her to peace and calm and relaxation so her body could heal and she could rest. And it was certainly a gift for Nana, uh, your mom uh, because she could have some quiet time and personal time around the house getting other things oh, done besides right. tending to your her mother. Right. Yeah, just for a little housekeeping for those who have been following the shows, Philosophy TV, Nana Z is my mom. And uh, big na- my Nana, which I called Nana growing up, is, was known to her great-grandkids as uh, Big Nana. So we're talking Big Nana and Nana Z. But uh, let's back up for a second. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know what Reiki is, what is it? So Reiki is a relaxation technique that connects you or reconnects you to your body's own natural ability to heal and balance itself. Mm -hmm. And it Uh, came from Japan about 150 years ago and has been taught widely in the West. Um, A teacher brings it to his or her students and passes it along um, through three or four certification degree programs. And you begin learning the basic signs and symbols, and some people use hands-on as a light method of touch and which is more like the traditional hands-on healing that some of us are familiar with in the United States. Um, Some people hover their hands over the body, um, but it is a form of energy work um, that gets the body, promotes the body's natural relaxation, stimulation to healing, and balancing and rebalancing itself. Yeah, so to people that aren't into 
sort of natural healing or any kind of sort of mystical, as you would call it, type of thing, this this can seem kind of weird because you're just touching someone or hovering your hands over someone. And how can that heal someone? How can mm-hmm. that help someone? Is that magic? Um, well, yeah, kind of. But it, it does work. You know, it's one of those things I like to often say about these types of things. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It either works or it doesn't, right? Right. Your belief doesn't affect that. Although there is something to the placebo effect of these types of things, too. And if you do believe that it heals you, then uh, that allows the healing to happen a little bit better, right? Correct. So there are definitely people um, that believe that if you are aligned with your intentions, you're going to be able to uh, connect to the energy better. But I just want to remind everybody that touch, human or animal touch, is the most primal of the senses, even more so than smell. And so you think about a child being in the womb, um, the first sensation post-birth delivery is being held by the mother. And so this is, you know, not even thousands of years old. It's hundreds of thousands of years old in terms of touch. And so in our world today, we've become so disconnected from touch and the natural world that it's reconnecting us to um, our humanity, really. And, you know, I've transitioned from hospice into um, hospital work for Reiki as a volunteer hospital practitioner, Reiki practitioner. And the, the patients, both hospice and hospital, are so grateful for simple human touch because they're in these austere environments which are very clinical and sterile and what Reiki does is bring um, human grace and connection uh, to other people Yeah, from one to the other. Right. Um, I, I certainly saw that. We should. I, I, something I did want to get into is that this has become pretty popular and common now almost in, I guess, in the cutting-edge hospitals, at least, if not all hospitals, right? A lot of nurses are now being trained in Reiki, and this is something that Western medicine would have shunned uh, not too long ago. But now they're realizing that the combination of Western and Eastern medical philosophies is probably the best path forward of using the medicines that we know, but also using some uh, ancient practices. And, And I saw it last year with my little cousin uh, as he was arson, as he was at Children's Hospital, you know, all, almost all of the nurses, maybe not that, most of the nurses were trained in Reiki. Mm-hmm. And they worked on the patients to help keep them calm and deal with their anxiety because these kids are in terrible situations. Right. But not only that, they had uh, Reiki downstairs for family members and uh, caregivers. And so I was able to go down on some of my three or four day stints where I stayed there with him. And in the middle of that, go downstairs and get a half hour of Reiki to just calm down. And, and for someone who's never had it, I mean, when you get a good Reiki session, you kind of just sort of float yeah. away from there. And it's like, uh, 
instantly takes away all your stress and anxiety. It's mm-hmm. it really is like magic. Yeah. Um, but it's real. I mean, we're, what we're talking about is energy and moving mm-hmm. energy around people's bodies. And mm-hmm. what scientists have proven through quantum physics is that we are made of ninety nine point nine 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 percent energy. Yes. So if we can manipulate our own energy field and our own energy, we can heal ourselves Absolutely. and we can take away anxiety. So. Um, I think that it's worth mentioning that this is something that has, you know, when I was growing up, going to a chiropractor was shunned. Right? Yep. I, I was ridiculed by my high school yep. football coaches for going to a chiropractor. Yep. In fact, that's why I quit high school football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After that, I played the remainder of the season for the record, and then I stopped. Um, but this is one of those things that in 5, 10 years, 15 years from now, insurance cover- companies will be covering, and everybody will be thinking it's just a normal thing like we look at chiropractic now. Right, Exactly. Exactly. It is It is slowly and steadily becoming part of the mainstream. And a few years ago, actually, I found um, a chiropractic practice that's part of the Faulkner Brigham and Women's um, conglomeration of hospitals where it's uh, Eastern and Western medicine. So they do have internists. Um, it's called the Osher Clinic. And it's um, they have internists, but they also have chiropractic. They have uh, acupuncture. They have an osteopath. So it's this amalgamation of services under one roof. And it was started by a physician who went to Harvard, Harvard Medical School, and then he went to China and Japan to do a fellowship. And he realized that there were a lot of ancient practices that were of tremendous use and service um, that were completely sidelined and ignored by Western medicine. And he saw... um, incredible healing so that he made that part of his mission to bring it uh, back to the United States and started this clinic under the auspices of the Brigham and it's um, I still go there for chiropractic it's amazing yeah yeah so uh, you know the point is that it is becoming mainstream and that you know we want to encourage people to go and seek this kind of treatment if they have anxiety if you have kids that have anxiety this can really help right Um, All kinds of other things where you just feel a little bit off and none of the traditional medicine that you've been trying is working. Right. What else? Who else would you recommend try, Ricky? What type of patients do you see without getting into specifics? I mean, well, at the the hospital and with hospice, I saw um, children, cerebral palsy. Um, one was terminal that had a very, um, rare diagnosis and she did pass away, but the Reiki gave her immense healing in her final months. Um, many of my patients were on, are and were oncology patients, so had cancer diagnosis. Um, I've seen, uh, neuro, um, people in the neuro units, the neurology ICU units, um, cardiology units. um, It it just relaxes people. And the stories that I've been able to gather, you know, someday I'll write a a book of short stories about each of the patients that that really have stood out to me. But 
you know, they don't, some of them who don't even believe it, but are willing to try it because they've exhausted everything else, their energy is so open that when I go in, um, they're, I'm able to calm them down. And I've had people say, this is better than a Xanax or, you know, some yep. sort of pill yeah. that the hospital or the nursing staff, the physicians would give them. So, um, you know, I, it's just been remarkable in, in the responses that I've had. Um, and most of the patients tend to fall asleep, um, which is a sign when your body is falling asleep that quickly with a 15 or 20 minute treatment, it surely indicates that, you know, your body naturally knows what is best for itself in terms of calming down um, because rest is the way the body heals. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to get out of our own way, turn our minds off and let the body right. heal. I, one of the things I do when I'm not feeling well physically, mentally, emotionally, I try to take lots of naps mm -hmm. so that I can shut up and let my body heal itself. Right. And when I do that, you know, I tend to get better a lot faster. Right. Uh, Julie had a question. I have a specific question. Yes. Can, can you hear me okay? Yep. Yeah. Um, can Reiki help subside pain from inflammation? Yes. Um, I would say it is a complementary therapy. It is probably not going to be the only therapy that you want. Um, but it certainly, you know, if I say have an ankle or a knee um, that's bothering me, I'll put my hands on that specific area, uh, sore back, um, and give Reiki to that area that's aggravating for a while, you know, 20 minutes to a half an hour, and it definitely calms it down. Um, I would say you wanna, in the uh, in the hospital, um, people I uh, there were restricted about where we can ta uh, touch the patients because there's a strict protocol um, around uh, just touching them on the perimeter. In in hospice Reiki, there were no such limitations. Um, so with your grandmother, for instance, Michael, mm -hmm. I could touch her through the center of her body, you know, around her collar, her stomach. But in the hospital um, where I practice um, as a volunteer Reiki practitioner, uh, we are only allowed to work around the perimeter because of liability issues. So I, that's a long answer to your question, but um, yes, where uh, you can definitely apply it, um, your hands and Reiki to a specific area of the body to reduce inflammation. Yeah, and then <clears throat> there's been a lot of uh, things coming out in the last couple of years with um, ultraviolet light and electromagnetic pulses that do the same kind of thing, and they, they do really deal specifically with inflammation. And what these things do is, again, it's energy work, but it's electronical energy work. And what these things do is they, they tune your body to specific frequencies. And when your body is on a specific frequency, once again, it can heal itself. So all of this stuff we're talking about is to like get your body back in tune mm -hmm. so it can heal itself because really the body knows how to heal itself. Now, I'm not saying 
shun all Western medicine no. and go heal yourself because there's very few of us, if any of us, right. <laughs> that have that kind of ability that can do that. I believe that we all have that potential, mm-hmm. but that's like you know anything. You don't just start out. Right. Uh, you, that takes years and years and years of practice to right. be able to take care of your health at that level. Right. right. So uh, let's just be clear about that. A couple of other things you mentioned I want to go back to. One is you said about uh, patients saying it feels like taking a Xanax. Mm-hmm. I can confirm that. I used to take <laughs> Xanax uh, for anxiety, but more specifically for sleep. I, c- I struggled with sleep on and off for mm-hmm. years. At this point, seven or eight years ago, I was the, Xanax was the only thing that could really settle me and get me to sleep until the point where the Michael Jackson had his whole thing and I said I need to get off that stuff because right. you, you just need right. more your body needs more and more of it it gets used to it and that's a terrible path what we're talking about is a natural solution that mm-hmm. does the same thing through literally just energy exactly and you saw, talked about touching people but I've had Reiki se- sessions with zero touch right it's just hovering hands like yep. you said yep and we're talking about manipulating energy. So touching is not required. Right. And, and I know that sounds weird to some people and it sounds like voodoo or magic. I'm telling you, I don't know how it works. I've seen it work. <laughs> and I've felt that same kind of relaxation from those treatments that mm-hmm. I did when I took Xanax to help me fall asleep. Right. Um, so I can tell you that that's real and I can't tell you that, that you will have the same exact experience. It, right. it does take time to allow your brain to turn off. Our brains are sort of wired to protect us, mm-hmm. right? So for some for people that are very analytical, mm-hmm. it may take a couple of sessions for you to be able to actually shut off and relax enough. Uh, that's really up to you. And that's why meditating and doing meditative things, even if it's not traditional meditation, right. whether that's shooting hoops at basketball or knitting or whatever mm-hmm. you do to turn your brain off, it's a really good practice because you want to be able to switch that computer off and l- so that your body can rest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of the uh, oncology patients that I have, you can imagine um, with a cancer diagnosis, the places that your mind would go, and they are on one hand so open to receiving the healing energy because they want to try anything. Um, on the other hand, they're so mentally wound with worry and anxiety. Um, but often I find that they are so ready to just step away and relax and be calm. And in terms of the difference between hovering and actual touching, it's, as you mentioned before, this is the approximation of energy fields. And so even if you're not touching somebody, you the vibration from one person's energy field to another um, mixes. Uh, to put it in very simple terms, they you know they become close enough that that's why the hovering can work. Yeah, and then for people again that are confused by that statement, uh, just about anybody can remember a time where they walked next to someone and they just felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, what that was is that person's energy field not mixing well with yours. Right. If that person is full of anxiety or dark thoughts or whatever, right. you can sense that. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. But I also don't want to discount what you said earlier about 
touch and about the primal mm-hmm. thing of touch, um, one thing that's become really popular lately is these weighted blankets. Yes. In fact, I just got one, and I have to tell you, I think it's the best thing I've ever bought for sixty dollars. Um, <laughs> I can't next tell year's you, Christmas present. I, yeah, I, and I got the twenty pound one because I like a heavy weight, and mm-hmm. I've always liked a heavy blanket. So I said, I'm going to try this. I in January I ate very well. I went to yoga every day. I stopped drinking, mm-hmm. and I still wasn't sleeping well. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that more in the astrology part because mm-hmm. there was all kinds of crazy cosmic stuff happening. There was, which I knew, but I just could. I still like I needed to rest to be mm-hmm. able to do all the things I wanted to do. So towards the end of that, I said, you know what? I'm going to try this weighted blanket thing. And for the first couple nights, I still didn't. I still had a lot of trouble falling asleep. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed immediately was that the even the little bit of sleep that I got was so much more restful. Interesting. One, I toss and turn a lot. Mm-hmm. With a really heavy-weighted blanket, I don't right. because it's a whole process to toss and turn. Right. <laughs> also, I really feel like I'm in a cocoon, and it sounds weird, but I have this weird feeling like – this is what it felt like in the womb, right? Right. right. Where we have that memory somehow of that time, even when we were that young. Because you're so wrapped and enveloped. Yeah, and so comfortable and mm-hmm. safe. And all of right. those feelings right. and emotions just kind of come in, even when you're just lying there. So even on the nights when I wasn't sleeping, I was so relaxed mm-hmm. just by being in this little comfortable cocoon. Right, right. So uh, that to say that the primal touch thing, I... I, I believe is absolutely real and for those people out there who are a little more daring and you'd go to reiki you know and you're comfortable let the person touch you because you do get that sort of primal energy that right. you're talking about right um so uh we are now already 25 minutes into this can you believe that um, time flies so i, I don't want to cut short reiki because we could talk <laughs> about that forever uh and you know please Email me if you have any more questions or if you want me to have Hillary back, you can email me at info at philosophy.org. But I wanted to get into some much more fun, well, not for me much more fun, some also fun. Uh, fun of a different <laughs> energy variety. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, a thing that um, astrology, right? Mm-hmm. So you're an astrologer. I am. You're a trained astrologer. My first astrology reading I ever had was with you. Oh. I didn't know that. Um, I had done, and I've talked a little bit about it on the podcast, but, you know, when I started this whole journey to do Zelosophy, I did, went on this soul search, and it started in Sedona. Actually, it started a little bit before that with my first medium reading, but since then, over the last five, six years, I've been to all kinds of mediums, psychics, uh, past life regression, astrology. I wanted to just gather information. Basically, what happened to me when I went to Sedona and I sort of opened myself up as I saw and felt all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And these things had kind of happened over the previous couple of years that I had paid attention to. And then I thought, well, okay, if that just really happened, and I won't go into the specifics because their stories are not short, but, and that's true when I thought it wasn't true. What else could be true? Mm-hmm. And where else can I find information from people um, that are here, whether it's medium, psychics, and astrologers? So, you did my first uh, astrological reading. Mm-hmm. It was uh, pretty profound. <laughs> and uh, it also was like, yeah, okay, that sounds about right to me. Right. <laughs> well, it should be a validation. <laughs> right. And that's what it was. So I just want to start before I sort of hand it back to you. I'm looking at your website here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to read a quote that you have on the at the top of your uh, about page. 
It's a, by the way, this her website is HillaryHarley.com. That's one L in Hillary and Harley spelt just like the motorcycle company. Yep. company. So HillaryHarley.com. There's an amazing astrology blog on here that I want to get into. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But here's the quote. I believe astrology is the key to unlock our fullest potential, shining a light on what might otherwise be confusing or mysterious. Astrology shows us the roadmap of our lives, the direction we are to go, and the best way to apply our talents to get there. Mm -hmm. So I love that, right? That's the exact reason why I had a reading with you, because there's got to be some information there Mm -hmm. that I can get out of this. I don't know really what it is. I don't know if I believe it. You know, and I went through all of these different things when I went to mediums and psychics, as everybody does when they start, Mm -hmm. very skeptical. Right. Is this going to work? Is this BS? You know, all those thoughts. So that to tell all you people out there, if you have those thoughts, it's fine. And it's not going to stop you from getting you know, real results. Right. Unless you completely go down that path and you completely resist the information that's being put right in your face. Right. Right. <laughs> so talk to talk to us about astrology and what it is and why it's important. So astrology is old as the hills. It be it, the origins date from Babylon, um, even pre Babylonian times. And so that's, you know, six, seven thousand years ago. And it's a way of making order of your world or the world around us. And it relies on the movement of the stars. So, you know, back in uh, ancient times, why was the moon disappearing every month? Why was the sun disappearing every day? And so it astrology Uh, extends from that. Its origins are from trying to make order and sense of our world. And it essentially provides a roadmap and a blueprint for our lives. So people don't necessarily use roadmaps anymore. Um, Architects typically are the only ones that use blueprints. So I would say it's like a GPS system in today's language. It's a GPS system that shows you your destination, where you're going, what is calling your name, which is your true north. And it's like, why do you keep having this feeling that you should pursue a career in marketing or own a bakery or do anything in particular? Why are you constantly drawn to the water? Um, And what is pushing you away where what are you leaving behind and moving away from in this lifetime so it it shows you astrology through a chart of 12 houses and the planets moving around that chart which is a picture of the sky at the moment of your birth It shows you your destination and the lessons that you hope to learn in this particular lifetime. Yeah, well, that's a that's a great description. Uh, As I said, I love your blog. I Thank was you. actually texting you last week telling you that I think you should start a Patreon page to get people yes. to subscribe to your blog. <laughs> so go there while it's still free because I'm trying to convince her. Because what I do every month at the beginning of the month when I get your astrological blog, 
I read it, mm-hmm. and then I take the dates and I plug the dates and those notes from those specific dates into my calendar so right. that I can plan my month accordingly. And right. Mercury's going to be in retrograde at this point. So, right. you know, it's not a good time to make big purchases or, right. or you're going to have electro, uh, electronic glitches or things like that. Right. And, uh, t- good times to book podcasts or to exactly. film. <laughs> I was going to say, I can vouch for that. He was scheduling a <laughs> podcast with me and he had a a day he preferred more than the other for these reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and this podcast was as well. You know, you mm. you asked me, well, when do you want to do it? And I said, well, that's a ridiculous question. You tell me. <laughs> you know, you know. There you go. And then, uh, so you said, well, let's do it before February nineteenth when yep. Mercury goes into yep. ret- retrograde. So right, um, right. Uh, so I do use it. It's very valuable to me. Uh, again. You know, with any of these kind of things, whether it's astrology or medium or psychic, the first medium session I ever went to when I was thinking, this is complete BS, mm-hmm. you know, why am I even, why am I even bothering? Mm-hmm. One of the first things the guy said to me is, what's this book that, that I keep hearing about? I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no book. I'm not a writer. Right now, people can analyze that and say, well, he put that idea in your head and that's why you wrote a book. No, why I wrote a book is because I went to 10 other different people and they kept all saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> including astrologers and psychics. And right. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I guess I got to write a book. I don't want to keep hearing this, right? right. So we, we get <laughs> messages from various different yes. uh, places. And astrologically is is one of the great ones. I mean, for, when I had my reading with you, like I said, you said all this kind of things that you would think are very strange. And I, I don't want to go into some of the details because people might read it the wrong way. But um, instead of sort of being taken aback by it, I was like, well, that makes sense. That, right. that would explain why I feel so different than any, everyone else. Right, right. Um, and then there was a lot of stuff in there about me communicating through different mediums of mm-hmm. books and talks and videos and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, like you said, a lot of confirmation. And it can give you a lot of information of like whether you're struggling or you need to make a decision for me, with all of this stuff with astrology, I keep saying with all the other things, past life regression, it's about getting information. Yes. And then you gather all this information from all these different sources and you layer it on top of each other and you go, all right, well, where are the common strings that are going through all these different things? Exactly. And how can I use this information to make better choices moving forward for my life, for my relationships, for my career? Right, right. No, it's, it is – I think one of the most incredible in-depth self-awareness tools that exists. And I mean, just to bring it forward in terms of the origins um, in in modern day living, um, Carl Jung, uh, Mm -hmm. his mother and grandmother were students of astrology and influenced him greatly. And so uh, he used to draw up an astrological chart for each of his patients prior to his sessions with them. So he understood how they were wired, so to speak. And then he would cast a current forecast chart for each of the patients. So he understood what some of the struggles that they were having um, within their current life. Um, and the, the primary reason Freud and Jung broke uh, was because Jung truly believed that this was um, an archetypal tool to be used, uh, the 12 signs, 
um, based on the planets, and Freud uh, wanted to create a new social science, and he was afraid that any ancient ties uh, was going to influence the acceptance of um, psychology. Right, yeah, because there's tons of ancient practices that have been sort of given this um, weird stigma in modern Mm -hmm. day that we're so smart we should be past that now. But it's like, well, if there's ancient knowledge that still works today, shouldn't we be using that also while we figure out new stuff? Exactly. Um, So you talked about the zodiac signs, and Mm -hmm. so that's what most people would think of first when they think Mm -hmm. of astrology. So it sort of starts there. And those characteristics of when we're born, you talked about a, a snapshot of the, the exact moment when we're born in the sky. Right, right. So that's partially the zodiac sign, but then there's all this other information there too. So how, what is the zodiac and how does that fit into the, the bigger picture of all of this? So there are 10 planets and uh, there are 12 zodiac signs and there are 12 houses. And so it's the planets, the signs, and the houses. And so it is a composite. Each of us is a composite of the mixture. If you think of it as a song, um, each of us is a song comprised of these uh, elements and mixed up energies. Uh, Some of us have more fire. Some of us have more earth, water, air. Um, some of us are equally balanced in all of these, um, but it's really an, the chart itself, the astrological natal birth chart outlines um, this composition f- of what each of us is. And that's the astrologer's job is to interpret uh, the composition and to explain um, without astrologies, as it's called, um, you know, so it's presented in lay language to the client uh, what uh, the destination and why there are particular challenges and blessings within the interaction of the planetary energies. Right. So it doesn't give you your destiny, right? Like this is what's going to happen to you because you were born at this time. It no. gives you, like you said, more of like a roadmap or a picture of, hey, right. these are the lessons. These are the challenges. These are the things that are going to come up. That again, I think what you said is really important that it sort of gives you validation for a lot of the things that you might be intuitively right. feeling anyway right. and might cause you to make a more informed and maybe a more bold choice with your life because this doesn't right. uh, supersede free will. Free will Absolutely still exists, not. right? Exactly. Each of us has free will and the chart is divided into fate and free will and each of us has an abundance of both and so it's a matter of exercising our free will yeah and i think where people become caught in in places where they're struggling things aren't going so well they seem to be spinning their wheels that would you say that that is astrologically speaking that they're sort of ignoring the roadmap and trying to create their own roadmap with free will. And so what I'm trying to get to is, mm-hmm. like, what's the balance of free will along with not resisting what is so so that you can have a, a comfortable – not a comfortable life, but have the life that you want and and live in a way that 
you're fulfilling what you came here to do in this lifetime, as you mentioned earlier. As Einstein said, the definition of insanity is repeating the same method over and over and expecting a different result. So Mm -hmm. often when we're stuck, we keep trying the same thing. And I think that's what you're referring to is when we get stuck. Um, It's because we've been conditioned or patterned in a certain way to try or to do the same um, method. You know, we keep working in accounting when our heart is really in uh, some other form of earning a living. And, you know, so it's being willing to step out of yourself and make different choices. And it, you know, it does not have to be severe or dramatic. These are, you know, taking baby steps, um, going, taking a class at night and learning about, you know, me, for example, I'm terrified of technology. And so, you know, it would be learning how to um, make my own website, uh, for example, And that's getting out of a rut. It's, you know, instead of pushing back and saying, no, I'm going to have somebody else do it because, you know, I'm terrified, which, you know, again, might be an appropriate choice for for somebody. Um, If I know that the only way to reach a broader audience is to dive right into a fear um, or a block and a resistance, then that is often, it holds the key. It's a a form of the shadow, um, what you're speaking of, you know, when you do a bit of shadow work, it's, it's the fear that is, is held by that shadow. And so often diving straight into it um, is the only way to work through the blockage or resistance. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, this comes from at least as far back as Babylonia, but uh, obviously much further than that, right? Mm-hmm. At, on some level, it comes from the very beginning of the universe, right? Yes. So it's as old yes. as the universe itself, because it's all made up of this stuff and made through math and geometry and right. sound and all that, right? But um, but just talking about over the last five, 6,000 years, there were, you know, ancients planned most of their lives around astrology. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. They knew when to plant crops. They knew when seasons were changing. They built all these things, Stonehenge and all these things that we still don't really understand today were all astrologically based. Yep. That gave them markers that, oh, okay, so we know this is happening now in the stars, which means this type of energy is open. Right. And we can make this type of a decision now. Exactly. And so what we're talking about, again, is not, you know, uh, not ignoring modern technology and modern advances, but we don't have to ignore ancient knowledge right? Uh, just to explore modern technology and advances. The two can and do coexist. And, you know, like we were talking about with Reiki, you don't just get rid of Western medicine or you don't just get rid of Eastern medicine. The Correct. best course is to use both. Is integration of both. Yeah, and yeah. use the different parts. And that's what we're talking about here with astrology, too. How do we mm-hmm. use ancient knowledge and modern knowledge to, to make the most informed and best decisions in our life? To make exactly. Choices? And like you said, you don't have to be like me and, and jump completely off the cliff and decide to I'm going to do a new career and I'm going to rebuild my life in, mm-hmm. in the middle of my life. It was a pretty 
wild and crazy thing to do. And for a lot of it, didn't know if it was going to work. Um, but I was able to talk to a lot of people like you uh, who were giving me this knowledge from God knows where that mm -hmm. kept encouraging me to keep going. Right. So like you said, that could be for very small basic changes too. Right, right, right. So um, can you talk about, again, without specifics of clients, can you talk about some of the things when people go to your website, hillaryharley.com with one L? Um, <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> not be, like Hillary clear, Clinton. Yes. It's Hillary with one L. <laughs> to be clear, hillaryharley.com, and they can book Reiki sessions or astrological sessions mm -hmm. with you. Can you talk about some of the stories of what the astrology clients have gotten, or can you talk about how that how the sessions work and yep. what type of information you give? Yes. So sessions typically are 90 minutes. Um, I do tell people who are coming for the first time to allow for two hours because they will have questions. And I'm, you know, when you think about it, I'm reducing, I'm condensing a person's life, um, entire life into a two hour time slot that's not a whole lot of time to be talking about. Um, right. So what drives people to come to astrologers are a number of things. Uh, curiosity, right. they've always wanted to try or learn. Um, they've always wanted to have their chart read. Uh, people who have tried everything else, they've gone to psychotherapy, um, they're at loose ends, they're at a crossroads, they're in crisis. Um, I have a lot of people who come just on an annual or semi-annual basis um, as check-ins. Um, I have people who are in mid-career shift. Um, they no longer want to be working for uh, Big Brother, and so they're taking a break or they feel they need to take a break and what that picture would look like. Um, people who have gone through uh, loss, um, people who want to know about their children and their children's futures. And those I handle uh, with specific care because when you talk about language being an influencer, um, it, you know, I'm a mother and of two, two adult children, and I would be very careful about what I would say to anybody, whether they're um, a, a parent to an infant or a parent to an adult child, because language is so important in how we hear, especially um, as a parent uh, trying to raise a child. But in general, language is... Um, you know, it's really important, and I place a huge emphasis on the language that I use with clients because um, negativity I tend to stay away from. It's not to say that I'm a Pollyanna um, and paint a, such a rosy, glowy picture of the future for somebody. Um, I talk about uh, practical and pragmatic choices um, and crossroads and challenges that people are facing rather than looking at, um, you know, all of the downsides. Yeah, well, and like anything, again, when you talk to psychics or mediums, they're also hesitant about, you know, telling you things they might see or hear that, that could have a negative effect because, right. again, there is free will involved. And just exactly. because 
an astrologer or a psychic sees something doesn't mean that thing is going to happen. Oftentimes that can be, if it's, like you said, if it's framed the right way and the right language is used, it can be a warning that, hey, this is a path that you're going down that you might not want to go down. Right. You might want to choose a different path with whatever this is. Right. Um, but you mentioned being a parent and kids. Didn't you learn astrology from your mom? Um, not my mother. Oh, Most definitely it was oh. my grandmother. Your grandmother. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, I love my mom, but uh, she was Not an astrologer. She and my father <laughs> were most uh, definitely not into any kind of metaphysical um, interests. And my grandmother, my mother's mother, was very very into astrology. And so when I was a child, she introduced it to me. And because my parents did not embrace it and really you loved it, <laughs> kept it at arm's length, um, I loved it. But I also it was covert, you know, it was something books that I was reading under the covers at night. Oh, um, wow. Because it was very much forbidden in my um, family home. So it was not until my 30s, and has ha- as happens with a lot of healers um, or people in the metaphysical realm um, or artists as well, um, a health crisis can give way to uh, the road that they're actually taking, supposed to take, a breakthrough. Mm. Mm. So I had chronic sinus infections when I was in my early 30s, and um, I went through sinus surgery and all the Western, you know, you talk about Western medicine, went through all the Western traditions, had sinus surgery, which was a complete failure. Um, And finally, I was so desperate, I went to acupuncture and the acupuncturist whom I still go to to this very day, she cured me within three months time and I've never had another sinus infection. And it was on her shelf that was one of the most um, revered books in astrology. It's Isabel's Hickey um, uh, book on astrology. And Isabel Hickey happens to be from Boston as well. So I borrowed the book and, you know, the bells and the whistles went off. And I realized this is something that I absolutely can no longer ignore. And I would say that to people listening is that when you do repress or resist something that keeps coming at you, you know, it's coming, it's recurring for a reason. And, you know, astrology was my passion as a child and as a young adult, but um, I put it away because it was was at the time not culturally acceptable and it's Mm -hmm. becoming increasingly more mainstream. Um, you know, the rise of like the app CoStar. I mean, that's, you know, it, the millennials have really embraced it. But in terms of um, healers who or artists that come to their um, passion later in life, um, it can often occur through a health uh, breakdown or, you know, emergence of something that's trying to get your soul is trying to get your attention. And often that's through disease and illness. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a great point. And also an interesting point that is, uh, that uh, acupuncture is what healed you because, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that back then, like you said, wasn't as socially acceptable. No. That's become much more popular and socially acceptable now exactly. and, and understood. And again, what is acupuncture? It's similar to Reiki, and it's just a different ancient form of retuning the body to its natural frequency. 
Yeah. So, Acupuncture is actually even more. I mean, that's really ancient. That's, you know, 5,000 or so years old from ancient China. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was something else I was going to add. Oh, so so you the, at this point you switched you, the light, the bells and whistles went off, like you yep. said. So what were you doing before that? I worked Career for the, wise. I worked for the government. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> Um, yep, I uh, was uh, working for the state of Massachusetts, the Common Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Yes, um, please say it right. You know, we don't want the Commonwealth Police to come in here, <laughs> um, or my dad to come running. Down right, here, right, right. No, I mean, and there's a big difference between a state and a commonwealth. Uh, if you have ever lived in a commonwealth, so. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all so know? So what were you doing for the so, Commonwealth? So uh, I worked as a grants manager for the Department of um, uh, Planning and Development, oh, um, cool. cities and towns. And it was a wonderful job. I was only there about two years. And prior to that, I worked for Harvard Community Health Plan, which is now Harvard Plan- Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. Um, it's had a name change and rebranding, but um, I was also I worked for the foundation for them as a grants manager. So that that was my background. So what people have heard my story of you know my sort of career pivot and my bells and whistles. So what was that like for you after you were healed this sinus infection and you're thinking about astrology again? How did you get from there to here? Um, step by step. You know, that's how we build anything in life. So the bells and whistles went off in, uh, it was about the year 2000. And, um, you know, now I can chart it all astrologically, which is really interesting to go back and look at what was triggering my life um, cosmically. But I started reading books. This is pre-Amazon. So I lived at a certain bookstore called Seven Stars over in Cambridge. And I bought every astrology book known to man that I could get my hands on. And fortunately, in Boston, as you know, along both east and west coast of the United States, there are a plethora of metaphysical groups. And um, Boston has the oldest astrology group in the nation, um, National oh, wow. yeah, national Geocosmic Research. Um, and so I became a member and I started taking classes with uh, privately and with the NCGR workshops that I still go to to this day because astrology is an infinite body of knowledge and, you know, you can never stop quite learning. There's always more to learn. Yeah. So I read every book known to man. And then I started seeing clients in 2002. And my first website was 2008, November of 2008. So it's just built and built and grown. Um, And what it is today, you mentioned, let's freak some people out even more. You mentioned an infinite body (laughs) of knowledge. And you've just been recently trained in something called the Akashic Records. Uh, And this is something that I've learned about over my journey in the last five or six years. And there are people that believe, and I happen to be one of them, that there is this field of information that exists that we can tap into called the Akashic Records, which basically store all of the information that has ever existed in the universe, sort of floating in space. Correct. It's sort of like the cloud. It is <laughs> for it is, everything. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. That is a great way to summarize what the Akashic Records is. It is the cloud. It is all universal knowledge, past, present, and future. 
And so to me, astrology is a natural fit as part of the Akashic Records because um, it is a part. It, your, your natal birth chart and your current forecast chart, all of that is like pulling a volume a digital volume off of a shelf of the Akashic Records. And I don't know if people have heard of Edward Casey, but he was the sleeping prophet. Um, and he, there's a Ed- whole- Edgar Casey. Oh, what did I say? Edward. Oh, sorry, Edgar. But, but if you haven't heard of him, please look him up. His, uh, <laughs> Edgar, I'm, thank you. I'm fascinated by this guy. Right, so he was the sleeping prophet and he would basically go into trance, um, sleeping trances, and pull information from the Akashic Records. And people, I don't really know that they were calling it the Akashic Records when he was, when Edgar Casey was doing it. Um, but that is exactly what it is. And so anybody, this is all available to anybody who wants to learn. Um, there are several schools that teach this. And I went to, um, I studied with a program that's part of Linda Howe um, that was the right fit for me. But I just felt it was um, a supplement to astrology because astrology is sort of the gateway that opens um, the information, uh, the blueprint, but the Akashics provide all suppl- all supplemental information. Um, and it brings my, I've found that it brings my readings, I've been doing this for two years now with the Akashics, and it brings the readings to a whole different level. Um, yeah. Um, so just to, to go back to Edgar Casey because I'm fascinated by this mm-hmm. guy. So he was basically an open channel. Correct. Right? Without knowing it, he figured it out little by little. Right. And in reading his biography, the first way he figured it out was he was having trouble in school. He couldn't learn uh, whatever. I forget which class it was. He slept with the book under his pillow, and the next day he knew everything in the book. And his dad tested him, and he was his dad was freaked out and like, well, how did you do this? You know. Right. And so that's how he first realized he had a gift. But then he went on to put himself in this trance and with no medical training, accurately diagnosed thousands of patients, remotely mostly. Uh, So he wasn't even near them. He would just Mm -hmm. sort of get their name, their date of birth, where they were. And somehow he could tap into some information that flowed through him and he was able to spit out these diagnoses and he was never wrong i think actually someone recently corrected me he was wrong once because the person didn't have what they said they had but 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 thousands of times with no medical training so where was he getting that information from right from the akashic records this is also a guy who again i'm fascinated by this guy because i don't know if you know the story but at one point in his life he was put. Uh, he was had a benefactor come into his life because mm-hmm. you would imagine in the early twentieth century, a guy like this was having a tough time finding work. Uh, yep. Nobody believed him. They right. thought he was crazy. They thought right. he was a quack. Of course, doctors didn't want to believe him because all their medical training was sort of, you know, thrown in out the dispute. window. Here, right. here's this guy who just comes out of nowhere. But anyway, this one guy hired him. And said, "All right, I'm going to ask you all the biggest questions about the universe." Mm-hmm. And at the end of his this, uh, this biography called There is a River, there's a 20-page summary of the philosophy that explains how the universe happened, how the solar system happened, what we're doing here, what our souls are, mm-hmm. how it was all created, what they're for, how souls choose their parents. Yep. I mean, all this stuff um, that was like, I read it and I was like, 
finally, somebody told me the truth. That was like my feeling. Right. Like, these are all the questions we've all been asking. Here it is, right in 20 pages. Yep. And he was got that because, again, he somehow had, was able to channel from these Akashic records or whatever, like you said, they were calling them at the time or whatever you want to call them. There's a way each of us can tap into information that's floating out in the universe that can that has knowledge that right. has existed forever, right, right, um, and it's being somehow contained and cataloged uh, in in this cloud. Yes, and there's a way to tap into that to get information again to make informed decisions right. on our life. And again, you can sit here and you can say, "I don't believe that. That can't be true." Whether you believe it or not does not make it true or not. It either exactly. is true or is not true. Right. So my advice is to consider the possibility that it could be true with any of this stuff, astrology, mediums, Akashic records, psychics, past life regression, and then give yourself the chance to explore it right. and say, is there information there for me that that is helpful in where I am in my life and the decisions that I need to make going forward? Right. Well, and as to your point that you made earlier, it's all energy. Information is energy. Each right. of us is energy. And so we're tapping energetically into a body of knowledge um, that exists and existed far before we did and will exist beyond while we're here. Yeah, so it's a good point. If you are a super analytical person and you need to analyze how that could be true and how it could work, Here's how it can work. Right. If that's all energy and I'm all energy, we know how energy interacts with each other. Stick your finger in a socket. Actually, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've ever done that, you know that energy right. affects other energy. So right. it would make sense then if we're made of 99.999% energy and everything is made of that, mm -hmm. then energy affects energy. And that's what the mystics have been saying forever. Exactly. We're all connected. Exactly. We, we are, are all, all connected. connected. Uh, every energy field touches every other energy field and affects that energy field. Mm -hmm. And that's what you were saying about how we lightly touched upon how other people can make you feel bad or good right. just by being in the room. Right. That's their energy field affecting your energy exactly. field. Exactly. Which is why we always tell people and any and anybody you know tells you to su surround yourself with positive people and people right. that make you feel good because that raises your vibration and it allows you to do whatever it is you're doing at the optimal level as yep. opposed to people that make you feel bad which lowers your vibration and then makes you feel like well I don't want to do anything and those people are exactly. literally energetically holding you back. Right, right, right. Or worse, people who drain your energy, actively drain your energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we've all known some of those that are called uh, energy vampires. For right, anybody right. that's <laughs> ever read the Celestine prophecy. Yes. That book does a great job of explaining that concept. I've read it. It really does. Probably 3 or 4 times in my lifetime. Um so uh, let's see. That's already an hour. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So um, I just want to sort of recap or touch on anything that you would like to add. And then also, um, we didn't even get into the trip to Italy we all had this uh, summer. So, But we can spend a couple minutes on that now if you'd like to talk about that. So all that's on the table as gift. we wrap up. <laughs> it was a gift. And, you know, I was just honored to be included by your mom in her exciting journey that um, – trip of a lifetime so i was thrilled to be there for a week of that and we were glad to have you there and also you spent some time as most of us did in assisi 
Yes. Uh, What was Assisi like for you? For me, I had, so it's interesting because I was raised Protestant in the Protestant faith. I was raised Presbyterian and I had, for some strange reason, always been uh, drawn to St. Francis of Assisi because I don't, I'm not familiar with Catholicism, but um, I was very determined uh, to go to Assisi and explore it and feel it and um, it was as magical, it was a magical mystery place for me. I just, um, I went to, um, up into the hills where he had his original um, epiphanies and callings, and um, it is just an extraordinary place. Yeah, I, I certainly felt that too. That has come to me, wasn't something I felt always, but definitely in recent years, I've felt this strong connection to mm-hmm. St. Francis. Um, and you know, he was a guy that, uh, really believed in what I believe to be the pure mm-hmm. Christian faith, which yes. is what Jesus taught. Love exactly. thy enemy, love everybody. It's about peace and love. And I know that sounds hippy dippy, but if you go back and you do your research and you really find out, well, what, what is this thing about? That's what it's about. Yes. Um, and so I think that we've talked about a lot of different stuff today and, just to show that you know the things that we've talked about don't um, don't uh, aren't mutually exclusive from your Christian faith or any no. other faith, right? No. It fits within all of this. Yes. And I think it, that when you just said that, I sort of got this idea. Maybe the way to close this would be to read the prayer of Saint Francis. Oh, that's I, lovely. Because I think it's such a powerful one. It's my favorite prayer. And again, just because I'm into mystical stuff doesn't mean that I don't believe in some of the core, the very strong core values of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I do. And I think that they actually, the astrology and the psychics and the mediums have only led me more in that direction, mm-hmm. in fact. And so um, I'll read this prayer and we'll close there. Uh, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there's hatred, let me show love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may, I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it, it, it is in dying unto ourselves that we are born to eternal life. That's lovely. Thank you for reading that. And I think that um, just one bit of commentary, that last line there is what we're talking about here with Mm -hmm. pushing past your mental constructs, whether you believe in Reiki or astrology or any of the stuff that we've touched on. It's in dying to these mental constructs that we have Mm -hmm. that we open the gateway to the eternal part of ourselves. Right, right. And that's really what we're talking about here. So I hope that you'll explore Reiki and uh, astrology and anything else that calls to you to get the answers that you're looking for. Exactly. And again, uh, if you want to learn more about Hillary, she is at HillaryHarley.com. That's Hillary with one L. Harley, like the motorcycle company, dot com. You can book a Reiki session. You can book an astrology session. Uh, I highly recommend it, obviously. <laughs> and uh, we thank you all for listening today. Anything thank you, to you Michael, for having me. It's been a pleasure. A pleasure to have you, as always. 
Bye, guys. That's it for now. Well, there you go. Uh, gave you a lot of stuff to think about today. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. As you might be able to tell, I love talking about this stuff. I love exploring new sources of information, whether they're things that we thought think may or may not be real. Um, I just think the point of going through the exploration to see if there's information that could be valuable there. And, uh, you know, in my experience, I've found a lot of bits of valuable information in a lot of different places where I didn't think I would find them through astrologers and psychics and mediums and past life regression and Akashic records and all this stuff that uh, may seem weird to some, but uh, I'm telling you, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but there's something. So go on and explore. <clears throat> Thanks for listening today. Um, the new TV show is Philosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends. Pilot is live on YouTube, getting tons of great feedback. Working hard on episode one, shooting one more thing, doing a ton of editing and hoping by next week to have episode one up on YouTube. And that'll be the first one that's going to be live here at Lex Media on the air and uh, hopefully then start to convince some other towns to pull that down off the database and run it in their town, too. So hopefully Zilosophy TV coming to your town soon. Uh, upcoming appearances, Saturday, March 1st, I'm going to be at the National Golf Expo at the Seaport World Trade Center at Boston with Hardy from 98.5 The Sports Hub. We're going to be talking philosophy on golf, uh, my book. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Saturday, March 28th, I'm going to be in Nashville doing a philosophy talk on harmony and how we can use examples of musical harmony to build a harmonious society. That's going to be a ton of fun. That's sponsored by Delgado Guitars and Cremona Strings. And uh, they've got a GoFundMe page called Bring Philosophy to Nashville. And the purpose for that is they're paying me out of their own pocket for that public talk on the 28th. But we're going to try and do a bunch of private stuff for uh, some of the uh, inner city schools while I'm there. And those schools don't have budgets for talks like this. And even though I'm not charging a lot, I do have to cover my time and being there. So we're trying to raise some money uh, on the GoFundMe page called Bring Philosophy to Nashville. Thanks to my producers today, two of them. Uh, Julie had to run out to go see her daughter's play. So thanks, Julie Manugian, for getting us started. And we got Terry sitting in, finishing us off here. So thanks, Terry, for jumping in at the Call of Duty. Always uh, thankful to be able to use the podcast studio here at Lex Media. That theme song that you love so much is called Surf by Captain Blackheart. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. Go check them out. You can find more out about me and Zilosophy at Zilosophy.org. If you have questions, comments, suggested topics, you want to sponsor the show and throw some cash at us, we'll take it. Uh, you can email me at info at Zilosophy.org. That's info at Zilosophy.org. Zilosophy on Golf is available on, in, on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. It's a great fun book about the parallels between life and golf and how you use golf to uh, live a better life and how living a better life can teach you how to play better golf. All fun stuff there. It's a great gift for the golfer or philosopher in your life. If you want to get a signed copy, you can once again email me at info at 
info at philosophy.org. Maybe I shouldn't try to talk so fast. And we'll get you all hooked up. That's it for today. Uh, Next episode is going to be a really fun one, so stay tuned. It's going to be my dad and his best friend for 50 years or something, Anthony Skippy Piccarello, who's one of the great characters in the history of humanity. Uh, You're going to want to hear these two guys. Uh, Listen in. That's it for today. We'll talk to you all soon. You're welcome.